Are you ready to be the best that you can be? Join hybrid business coach and consultant Charity Brown and her guests as they give you behind the scenes access to the insider tips and tricks that will help you take your business to the next level. Charity has an extraordinary approach to boosting businesses to break out of their modes, influence their industries, and become leaders of their packs. And she's ready to pass this inspiring knowledge on to you today. Learn how to change your game and build your business into what you've always dreamed of, right here on the Create Clarity with Charity Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Create Clarity with Charity podcast. Today I have an amazing guest. We are in for one today, folks. Give Dan Bennett your attention, the creator and owner of the story development production company, the Antipreneur and One Minute Media. Hey, hey, how you doing? Hey, Dan. <laughs> so happy you're here. Maybe you could introduce yourself, your business. I'm going to show it here for our YouTubers so we can see where you're coming from. Yeah, um, happy to be here. This is exciting. Uh, so yeah, story development is uh, at the heart of everything I do. And it's very, very literal. I work with clients and um, startups, entrepreneurs, um, developing story with them. And then vehicle or uh, video is usually the vehicle that is taking that story where it's going. Uh, and it's uh, pretty much that simple. I try and keep it simple for everyone. So uh, I work directly with clients if that's what they need for that kind of fast track, uh, getting from zero to on camera to creating your own video content with our help. And the other way, uh, the one minute media way is uh, kind of DIY, coursework, private membership, discounted rates off our editing and stuff to still help you out, uh, but a little bit more of a kind of do-it-yourself feel. So uh, that's how we help entrepreneurs and startups create great video content and most importantly, tell really great stories. Yes, and you definitely use video to your advantage. Um, I love the way that you set up your production there for your um, VSL. Um, and also your podcast. So, but you are much, much more than a podcaster. And that is why you're on my show, because today it is really about you, Dan. It is about you as that serial entrepreneur, that resilient, um, you know, get back up on that horse, no matter what, do or die attitude, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll take yeah. it. Um, but... <laughs> Can never get a good man down for sure. So that's the thing with, let's go back to the beginning stages of your entrepreneur journey. Cause I think that's what our audience really wants to know, Dan, is how did you do it? Because we all know it's no easy feat to establish yourself as an entrepreneur and being able to give back to others and helping them scale their brands as well. So let's go way back, all the way back. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about you and how, you know, that entrepreneurial spirit was driving in you, even when you were in high school in your band days, right? Or maybe you were, had already graduated high school and started your band. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Uh, in a, a lifetime long, long ago, um, <laughs> I was an engineer. And that kind of came from being good at drafting in high school. And also I started being in bands in high school. So that's um, pretty accurate. And then kind of graduating, uh, starting to go to college, being in that drafting and engineering field. Uh, I hated it. I'm not afraid to say it. I also love to say that I love passionate engineers because we need you guys and gals. Uh, but I was not passionate one iota. So I started um, 
leaving that career and trying to kind of find myself in my early 20s and being in a band, um, I kind of accidentally uh, entered into entrepreneurship and I had never even heard that word. So I was definitely not aware of what I was doing. Um, and that came through, uh, we needed a website, we needed to sell merch, we needed to sell our music, we needed to book shows. And all of those things are like a little micro startup. And I was the one who handled all that stuff. Um, that kind of naturally led to uh, printing and designing a lot of merchandise. And then one of our printers was like, hey, you sell a lot of t-shirts. Do you know any other bands who uh, might need t-shirts? And if you bring any of those orders, I'll give you 15%. And I was like, yeah, man, I could definitely do that. We play with all kinds of bands. So I started doing that, making a little bit of money. And then I started designing for those other bands because they liked our designs better than their own. And it just kind of grew and grew. And I started to get a taste of being able to be creative and help other uh, entities and individuals tell their story um, and I can make money at the same time. So it was kind of the beginning of entrepreneurship without me really knowing it at the time. Mm -hmm. And then one day I, I walked into that same printer after going in many, many times and I had left the engineering field and was kind of trying to find out what I wanted to do next. And he was like, hey, you, you want a job? <laughs> and I was like, you know, I'm actually looking for work right now. Uh, our department for this large apparel printing company. And that's when I kind of um, understood that, you know, I could use my creative skills to make a living. And um, someone I'm very close friends with to this day, John Hankard, who owned that company or still does, uh, was like, yeah, you can still do your thing on the side. I just need someone, you know, who's got that kind of touch with the customers and create can create great art um, to be able to do that. And so I, I don't know, I just started to kind of discover in life in my early to mid twenties that, um, you can do what you love and make money. And that was, that was kind of the beginning of it. Music and desperation led to entrepreneurship. I love that. Yeah. Just getting thrown into it. There's like no better way. Right. Sometimes yeah. just like learning to swim, you just got to jump in. Um, and that's awesome. I love that because the band, you know, really did bring out your creativity. I mean, not only just in your music, but it really unleashed that passion you had towards design and video. And I remember you chatting once about how you got into the digital audio video by like way back in the day when we were burning CDs on our laptops, you know, <laughs> from VHS or something, you know, really old school that probably at least older people know about, um, you know, how to take a video cassette tape and put it on a digital package like that's that was right kind of one of the beginning forefronts of your your digital media start yeah the uh the video portion was kind of accidental as well um we were kind of wrapping up so this is a little bit closer like 2009 2010 and I wanted to uh, leave something behind because we had done really well as a band, but not quite made it. So I wanted to do this last kind of CD, DVD package that people could buy. And part of that was um, filming our experience in the studio, recording the songs and all that, but also making a narrative-based music video. And I just said, we're going to make a music video, uh, no budget, no idea on how to do that. And definitely another kind of dive in the deep end type moment. And some really great things happened from that. I got tons of stories from it, but one of them that really impacted um, kind of the future of how I would look at video being a vehicle to uh, take story where it's going was the fact that we were able to bring in some really high caliber actors without a budget. We knew we could feed them and house them, but we, did, we couldn't pay them. And we were honest about that up front. 
And long story short, how we ended up uh, convincing some people to come along for the ride with us and drive quite a long ways in some cases to be a part of it was instead of just shooting the snippets that we needed for our music video, we shot the whole scene with dialogue. So they would leave with um, a great demo reel from being part of our production. Mm -hmm. And that was something that a lot of those actors did not have in their portfolio. So they were just thrilled that we would go through all that extra work for them. And so some people who ended up on some big television shows and big commercials and stuff like that um, were kind of cutting their teeth along with us, you know, doing this music video back in 2009. And video never left me from that point on. Um, like I said, at the beginning, story is the heart and soul of everything I do. But it's very often that video is what's going to take that story where it's going for our clients. Yes. And, you know, we, we know video is king, kind of like cash. Like, you got to yeah. have it. Um, it, it's, it resonates best with all audiences across the world. So um, it's a great medium. And so with, with the CD-DVD combo... <laughs> and the, the final shoot with the creative, with the band and everything, you, you must have really enjoyed the process as well. Because yeah. it, was, it was pretty incredible uh, for multiple reasons. One, it was cathartic. Um, if anyone who knows me knows my life and watches that video, I'm actually um, it, the character in the video. I'm not physically playing the character, but they know it's representative of my life. Um, so <laughs> it was cathartic in that way, but also this kind of brand new world. I'd watched movies and documentaries and TV just like anyone else, but I had never created that kind of uh, medium. And after doing so and doing it pretty successfully, um, maybe we'll have to drop that music video link into the show notes. Yeah, um, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I got a bug, you know, essentially. And, um, that, you know, this is where we're at now is uh, helping entrepreneurs harness that same power that I found back in 2009 for themselves. And we're there to, to help them do that. And it's kind of magical. Um, I, I often joke that some of my favorite women and media members are the ones who don't pay anymore <laughs> because they took the skills they needed and put them into practice and create great video on their own, don't need our help anymore. And, and I love that. Um, that's a success to me. Yeah. And, and it's so... It is like riding the bike, you know, when you know, like your intention, your framework, you, your pitch, whatever it is that you're trying to convey through the media, through that device, through the video, it is something that will automatically just start getting ingrained in you when you turn the camera on. So it is, you're right about how people will just come and they'll get the tool and they'll use it and they'll sharpen it and then they'll be on their way. Yeah. And that's, that's what people need. Like it, and I think everyone needs that actually that's doing anything online, e-learning, consulting, coaching, selling products, whatever it is that they're doing. If they haven't had media training in regards to being on camera and, and shooting good video, it will, it will, um, help, you know, banging your head against the wall night after night editing yeah. and feeling like I, I don't like the way that looks. I don't like the way I'm standing. I don't like how this, I don't like be, you know, because it really is like something you kind of have to learn to like, cause it's kind of awkward at first. Do you find that with your clients? I do. It has been part of my mission over the last six months to build tools um, to help with that process in different ways. Uh, so like I said earlier, it's kind of an A-B choice as a DIY, and you are all about kind of diving into our coursework, figuring out some of that stuff for yourself while we help. Or do you, do you want to skip all that because you're like, nope, don't care. I'll pay the higher price day and just get me there quickly. And I love that people kind of have that option. Um, the other part of it, is um, a site I put together that's just a free community called sandbox.video where you can be part of a, a free community, upload 
videos to get loving critiques and feedback in a private community. And I built that because of so much feedback over the last year of people saying like, man, I'd really like to create video, but I'm kind of uh, shy or I'm not comfortable on camera yet or whatever. And so we just have this free community that you can sign up for and upload videos and do it in a safe place before you're ready to go public with all your video content. And all of that work was put in because how many people had said, hey, I want to do this, but it's a little uncomfortable. So how do we get there? And everything I do is to try and go from zero to creating great video content on your own. And there's multiple steps in there for some people. So I'm trying to cover every gap I can between yeah, zero and putting out great video. Oh my God. That's amazing. I wish I had that. I'd be sending it, <laughs> bugging all my friends and colleagues and clients. Like, can you watch this? Like, <laughs> was it too loud? Was, did you hear that bark in the background? Like, yes. like, that's cool. I love the sandbox idea. That's amazing. So I just pulled that up. So everyone definitely sandbox.video. That's, that's a great resource right there as well. And so more about you, let's, um, so after, you know, you started developing those, that creative passion and really dialing into your business and to your mission and helping others, um, polish their video branding, um, you know, you, we, you had some entrepreneurial challenges, um, along the way, maybe there are some bad deals, maybe there was, um, let's see, like a partnership, maybe that went sideways and then, um, you know, getting into, um, maybe the, the COVID crisis that we've all experienced, maybe you could share with us a little bit about what you've learned from, you know, your Valley lows, because we hear about your highs, you know, you're, you're really on a good one here with your podcast and all the great stuff that you're, you're putting out there for the people. But, you know, there's probably a lot of us out there, entrepreneurs that are struggling and like not really feeling very hopeful about what's, what's gone on with COVID and where it's left their business. Maybe you could help clarify, um, you know, through your challenges, how you accomplish that. Yeah. Um, I am an open book and I love talking about this stuff. Uh, you said earlier, you wish that maybe there was a tool available when you were getting started on video. Um, I wish that there was more entrepreneurs who talked about this, the, the stuff that sucks. <laughs> so you could absorb that and know that successful people have been through things and that maybe you're not alone. Um, it's something we hear all the time. You're not alone, but a lot of times in entrepreneurship, even if you have a team, sometimes you just are in a silo for some of your work. Uh, so one of the first things that, that happened, um, as I left, uh, doing the art and stuff for the apparel printer was to join a production company. And, um, I was brought in under the understanding that there would eventually be a partnership offered. There was two people at the time, one owner, and there was three of us once I joined and we were looking at a three-way partnership. And I really cut my teeth with, uh, getting a camera in my hand, editing, and especially motion graphics with a program called after effects, where I was making the artwork that I was already creating for them move and animating it and learning that skill. And uh, after about a year and a couple months, it became very apparent through a couple deep discussions and a couple secrets that kind of slipped out from someone else's mouth that um, I wasn't going to have this opportunity we had always talked about. And I was putting in a lot of really hard work for a partnership that wasn't going to happen. So I uh, just had kind of a severance um, put together and struck out on my own. And uh, it was it was scary because I had put you know um, 14 or 15 solid months into a plan and then was kind of like starting over uh, in the sense of like, well, I thought I was going this direction. I guess we're going that direction. Uh, one mm -hmm. of the things that helped at the time was 
because we weren't inundated with work during that time, we were kind of growing a company. Um, I brought in a lot of clientele. And when I left that production company and started my own company called DNA Design Company, um, some of those, actually, most of those people kind of came with me. They're like, hey, whatever you're doing, I want to go with you because you're the reason I was, you know, doing this work with you guys anyway. So that was helpful. Um, also, I picked up a part-time job when I left just to be able to pay bills. Um, the company I was at, I actually lived there too. So it's like a full production house and I rented one of the rooms. Um, so I was moving out and kind of technically losing my job at the same time. So um, I picked up some part-time work in construction, uh, a guy named Josh that was super you know, supportive of my work and what I was doing. I told him I'm trying to launch a company. Once I get there, I'm not gonna be doing construction anymore. Are you okay with this? And he was very flexible with my schedule. And I started building. And the, the first thing I shot was like, terrible. Um, it, it wasn't the kind of work I wanted to be doing. It was solely for the sake of paying the rent that month. And, you know, this kind of wobbly, fumbling, stumbling journey began. Um, but within six months, I actually landed a pretty large uh, contract with a college. And that was kind of the beginning of being able to get away from construction, go full time with DNA Design Company and start helping people tell story through video there. And that was a pretty dark time. You know, I had uh, gone through a divorce and I had left a pretty stable job that I'd had for about five years um, while also freelancing on the side to pour it all into this partnership that didn't happen. Mm. And so there was kind of a, a disappointment mixed with, you know, resentment. Know. Yeah, there, there was, there was some at the <laughs> yeah, time, there was some pretty, some pretty big arguments and some yeah. unfortunate words said both ways here and there, you know, and it, it was definitely rough. Um, kind of came out of the other side of that started growing, started really realizing what I wanted to do. And a um, few years down the road, uh, had a client that in the beginning, I thought was a dream client. Um, everything I thought I'd ever wanted in a client was here. And it was an individual, but they had a good budget. They had a really great vision, a pretty incredible product that was very unique. So I knew we could tell that story very easily. I'd done a bunch of corporate work for companies like Harley-Davidson, Camaro, Pantene, Nerf. Um, they were fun, but they weren't fulfilling. And this was an entrepreneur I was helping. So I was really, really into it. And uh, we go through the work, um, some bumps here and there, you know, but uh, we got through them. And when we got towards the end, things kind of fell apart. There was, uh, I could go on and on about this, but there was just a lot of um, resentment from their side toward me that I never really understood because we were always knocking out the next part of the contract. So mm -hmm. we got to the very end. It was what I would consider about 98% done. The only thing that was left to was to uh, put some content on a website and then do a final pass on the video just to, you know, do a final render and make it, um, done, if you will. And that's where things kind of fell apart. And they said, I don't want to work with you anymore. Just give me all my stuff. We'll go our separate ways. And I said, are you sure? And they said, yeah. And I'm like, okay. And it was very dramatic the way it happened. Um, and then three months later, there was a process server on my door and, uh, I got sued and I got sued by someone who had very deep pockets and I did not. <laughs> so <laughs> it lasted about three years. And that person, uh, spent about $90,000 coming after a $8,000 judgment. Um, so oh it went beyond just, you know, trying to get the money back. It went to, let me see if I can crush you. And, mm -hmm. uh, that was, that was tough. Um, for anyone out there, it's been part of even a small little, you know, small claims court mm. suit. Uh, they're not fun. They're depressing. Mm -hmm. Um, if you don't have a lot of money or, you know, a lawyer on retainer, it can be really scary out there. Um, when you're going through that kind of thing and that kind of hung over me, um, 
so I shut down my company, started a new company doing stuff differently. Um, they continued to chase me. And then we started hearing the rumblings of COVID going on. Um, so all these things are kind of happening at once. And then February, 2020, I lovingly refer to as the great Band-Aid rip of 2020. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of different things going on and everyone had their, you know, their version of what was happening during that time. And it was just kind of like too much at that time. So I had to close my business, file personal bankruptcy to try and escape um, part of what was being leveraged against me separate mm. from my company. And I also, uh, at the time was a longtime landlord and all of my tenants quit paying, <laughs> quit paying oh, rent. Yeah. And none of them were actually financially impacted by COVID at all. They just knew under the, you know, uh, quick changing laws in Michigan anyway, that they couldn't be evicted. So they just quit paying and all those things happened, you know, like within a month of each other. So it got dark again, <laughs> it got mm. really dark there. And yeah. um, I can go more into some of the nuances of, of COVID and the shutdown, but those are a couple really, really tough spots there. And, um, you know, I really had to lean into the fact that there's an ebb and flow in life and in business and that entrepreneurship is not always some sexy thing that is just super fun. And, right. and everyone who starts their own business is just magically a millionaire or anything like that. Um, so I appreciate yeah. you letting me talk about some of those things because they're real. And I wish along the way, along my journey, I heard more people just kind of lifting up the rug and showing some of the dirt. Yeah, what's the real deal, right? I mean, it's a gauntlet to get through to the other side and even make the six figures, even six figures. Yeah. So many people think as soon as they, you know, put on that open sign, here comes your six figures. And that yeah. is so far from the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and then the seven is just a whole other ballpark, you know? So it's like, you know, with that being said, okay, so this is really where it gets to the heart of the issue. And that's really my intention here on this Create Clarity with Charity podcast, because it is about the realism, about the truth and authenticity of what CEOs and business owners go through that nobody has been talking about. And how do we overcome those challenges and those obstacles mentally when we have felt defeated, when we have felt robbed, when we have felt like our business has been ripped out from under us, you know, how do you get back up and say, Hey, I'm going to, you know, bootstrap a brand new business and I'm going <laughs> to get up and do it right again. So I can get bitch slapped again. No, yeah. I mean, it's kind of yeah. like, okay, when are we going to be real here? Because now it's even harder right? Yeah. It hasn't yeah. got any easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we spoke previously about, um, and I remember the number because I was counting 12 different people who during that time when I was shutting my doors and going through all that, um, who were like, man, Dan, you know, this is really tough to watch, but I, I take a little bit of solace in the fact that I know you're like the most resilient dude I know and that you're going to pull through. And my last friend that said that out of the 12 was a good friend. So I actually snapped back a little bit. I'm like, you know, what? it kind of irritates me <laughs> to hear that yet again. And when does resiliency actually become stupidity? And maybe I shouldn't get back up. I should stay down. Maybe I should just go get a job and watch football on Sundays and drink beer. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and that only lasted a couple of days, you know? And then I was like, no, I, I'm not built to be an employee. So obviously I got to figure something out. And uh, I, I don't know if I'm just a glutton for punishment or what, but the first thought I had is I need to go somewhere and think. I need to go allow myself to sit and settle kind of into what's happened. 
Um, once I finally shut the doors, filed the bankruptcy, um, handed in my keys to my office building, you know, all those things, I disappeared into the Michigan wilderness. And that's a great wow. story. If you ever listen to my podcast, I have a whole episode just about that. And uh, I knew it was going to be painful, but I also knew I had to figure out the next chapter, or at least the beginning of the next chapter. And it kind of felt like an entrepreneurial version of writer's block. I don't know what I'm going to do next. I got a blank page in front of me but I better figure it out. And I went into the woods with a blank, large whiteboard. I'm a huge whiteboard nerd. One book, uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And I didn't pick that one on purpose. I just, it was the one that I had that was new that I hadn't read yet. And then an old iPad with like 10 or 12 documentaries on it um, for occasional entertainment. And I didn't, no agenda. I just went to look and search and try to find and uh, I came out of there with a lot of what I call just micro epiphanies, just things that really hit me personally hard. And a fair amount of them were kind of like, duh, type things. Like, I've always known that, or you hear people say that, or how did I not figure that out in the last six years, you know? And some were really, really simple, but hit really, really hard. And I could, again, talk about all those for hours and hours. Um, but one that really struck me was I look back at the last six years at that point last uh, August. And I've never been a woulda, coulda, shoulda person. I close chapters in my life. I'll go back and read those chapters if I need to learn something, but I don't dwell in the past. Um, but I was going to search. So I went back over those last six years and just kind of timelined it out on a whiteboard, and zoomed in and zoomed out and it's just like, you know, searching. And I didn't even know what for. And one of the things that revealed itself was that I did what other people wanted. I did some incredible work and a lot of it was fulfilling, but a ton of it wasn't. And I made a lot of other companies a fair amount of money and then I lost everything. So if I was to do it the way that all my clients wanted me to do it for five and a half years at that time, and then lose everything and go to zero, or if I look back and said, if I would have done the last five and a half years the way I wanted to do it and it didn't work at all, I'd be at the same zero. And that was enough to convince me that from here on out, I'm doing it my way. And that's, no one's ever going to talk me out of it. I and, love that. <laughs> that is such a good point, audience. I know you guys out there listening just felt that. Like, mm. do you really do what feels good? Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've often kind of joked, but half not joking, that I feel like half of my career is to make cliches matter again. Um, to really dive into things that we hear all the time, but take a minute to sit and breathe with it and be like, why do people say that thing? You know, peel a couple layers back off from it. Mm -hmm. And loving what you do doesn't mean you're going to love it every minute. It just means you can do things that are fulfilling and help other people. And if you're solving a big enough problem, make decent money doing it. Mm -hmm. And what that led to was my personal uh, kind of, hugging I, I almost view it like a hug of saying no and a lot of people talk about that a lot of wealthy people talk about you know what you say no to really is your career sometimes yeah. and so last august i'm coming out of the woods i've i've discovered some things i got a lot of notes i gave myself all of september to make sure i didn't rush back into anything and really try and figure out what what are my next steps and at the time, my partner, uh, Jax, she's a chef. Um, she lost everything too because of her jobs and the shutdown. And so we're selling our personal belongings to like make rent and groceries. And we're trying to figure out what's next. And it was not a good time to take a month off, if you will. <laughs> but I was like, I need this time to, to figure things out. And I swear about seven, eight days into September last year, I got two different calls within a couple of days of each other from previous clients I'd done work for 
who were like, hey, I heard you're kind of starting over and you might be freelancing. Could you do this work? And I had to say no to both because it would have taken me right back to where I was before. And these people were great people, just terrible clients. And I knew that already. So I had to say no because I didn't want to go backwards just for the sake of money. And that micro epiphany I talked about, I did all that work for five and a half years to help other people reach their dreams, but I wasn't really chasing my own. And so those are two of the hardest no's I've ever said. But in retrospect, it's, it's a glorious time in my story because that gave me the space to have every wild idea, uh, not get bogged down and going back to where I was, um, give myself that four weeks to figure out what I wanted to do next. And I've been super picky about who I work with ever since, and that has paid dividends and still is. Yeah. And you also had the epiphany of your superpower. Mm, yeah. Right. Th that That's, um, I love that you give me some space to tell these stories because I love <laughs> them so much. Um, another thing I kind of came out of the woods with was like, just uh, kind of building in public. And it's something I've seen, you know, some different people talk about, and it's really cool. And I've never been super private, but it was always about everyone else. And I'm like, you know what, I think it's my time. I'm going to put myself on camera more. I'm going to talk about what I'm up to. And one of the first things I did was to uh, segment off a small part of my uh, email newsletter list to about 30 people. And they were all people who knew me, um, previous clients I'd become friends with, colleagues, mentors, mentees, all of these things. I just sent it out an email and said, hey, uh, everything I just told you guys now, you know, like I, I lost everything, I'm starting over. Please keep me top of mind. And also I want to lead with help. That was another micro epiphany for me. I've always been helpful and empathetic, but I want to purposely say out loud, I'm leading with help. I want to help a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So you guys know my skill set that are receiving this email. Uh, if you need anything, you know, I can knock out quick. I'll do it for free. Please keep me top of mind if anyone's looking for the kind of work that I do, because you guys know what I do. So thank you. And the response was overwhelming. It ranged from um, some really successful executive coaches I know coaching me for free because they just want to help all the way to people DMing me and saying, I could never be as vulnerable as you just made yourself. That's incredible. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. And it was just a really overwhelming, um, you know, batch of feedback. And because people got so engaged, I was like, hey, I'm going to continue to talk to you folks, you 30 folks. So it was about a month later, um, I sent out an email just thanking everyone for the overwhelming uh, response and how it made me feel and the people who were offering help for free and just all this cool stuff. And at the end of it, for fun, because I'm a storyteller and that's what I do, um, I just asked the question, hey, if, if a reporter came up to you and put a mic in your face and said, hey, you know that Dan Bennett guy, what, what would you say his superpower is? Uh, what would you tell that reporter? And I got 10 different responses that were all very similar to each other. And it was kind of incredible because I'd never heard this before. And everyone had some version of kind of saying, hey, Dan, when you interviewed me, you know, for that video a couple of years ago, you made me so comfortable. It's so easy to trust you and open up. And that's why that story did so well. Or when I watch your YouTube content, I just feel really calm and like I can trust you and it makes it easier for me to learn. There was just all these, you know, pieces of feedback that had something to do with my voice and my demeanor and the way that I deliver knowledge uh, made people comfortable. And I never heard that in my life. So I've held on to that super tight since last September. And it's been, I don't know why that exists. It's not up to me to figure out how, what that is or where it came from, but it is my responsibility to be aware of it and to make sure that I help as many people as possible, knowing that part of the way I help them is just by being a chill dude that wants to help people win. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of, kind of part of my approach and process now, because again, like we talked about earlier, a lot of times people are uncomfortable sharing themselves, whether it's video or not. 
And a lot of entrepreneurs are stepping into being the face of their business for the first time, especially since shutdown, all the Zoom calls, video conferencing, all these things. We're in kind of a new era of video. And um, I'm just happy to help people, you know, be comfortable in that transition as much as possible. Yes. And it's really needed because you see the boom in personal branding and business branding, people using themselves as their best assets, using their face as their business, you know, and being able to do that authentically and not come out um, as a fraud or a fake yeah. or imposter syndrome. It will just shine through on video. And I see it all the time and people need that training. They need that insight. They need to know the must do's and yeah. then the ones the must not because yeah. it, it it isn't a common knowledge. Like you have to go to media development video school or something to learn these tips and tricks that you um, deliver in your consulting and in your business. So um, I love that you're doing that because it is a huge boom. Like we are the, the creators of our own shows these days. So, um, but it doesn't mean that we all are the best producers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always kind of uh, joke that it's the medicine and the cheese. So your veterinarian says your dog needs to take a pill, hide it in some peanut butter, or put it in a piece of cheese. The medicine is story and the cheese in this case is video and video production. And most people uh, think what they need is the cheese, you know, and what they really need is to share a great story, which isn't always video, could be a blog post, could be being on a podcast like this, which again, thank you for having me because this is a great platform to share story. Yeah. Um, no matter what it is and how I'm working with clients, whether it's helping them launch their own podcast or helping them get comfortable on camera, I'm always sneaking in <laughs> the medicine, which is great storytelling. And that is um, this really interesting kind of duality of people do need help developing that, but most people are really great storytellers already and they just don't realize it. And so I help kind of unearth what's already in there, but I do use some different tools and stuff to help people get there. So they're able to exercise those tools and kind of, you know, pull off the shell and, and um, get comfortable telling great stories because really we are, um, you know, I'd say 99 point something percent of people are already great storytellers. We just don't know it. Mm -hmm. And I heard someone say, I wish I could remember who the quote came from, because I would love to uh, give them credit, but I heard someone say about a year and a half ago, that story is so impactful because from the moment we're born, we're being told story. The first thing that happens generally is a baby is fed. And the very next thing that happens is we start telling stories. We, mm -hmm. we coo and coddle and rap and sing and swing our babies. And it's all to begin that storytelling process, to show them what the world is, to bring them comfort, to relate to this other human. And we all have that for the most part. So most of the work I do is just trying to get people to give themselves permission to be great storytellers. And some of the tools that we provide, um, you know, just help get people there a little bit quicker. Yes. And you have quite the awesome cocktail you mix up for those people yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm a, I'm a whiskey drinker, but I like a, a good cocktail. Um, <laughs> I learned through metaphor and analogy. And so in being a lazy person and uh, trying to find the quickest route between A and B most of the time, I teach through metaphor and analogy because it's kind of the only way I know how to do it. So I default to that. And something I've been running into a lot, you know, I'll have like a, a potential client. I get this question all the time when people are thinking about hiring me. Um, 
do I just do a video and put it out better done than perfect, just ship the thing or Hey, it's my face and my brand. I should polish this a little bit, make it nice and make it a really great representation of who I am. What should I do, Dan? And I just say, yes. <laughs> and people absolutely hate that because I'm the guy that'll bring into business the fact that a duality can exist. Two things can exist at the same time. And it's important to remember that. So you can put something out a little quicker than might be comfortable, but you can also work with someone like me and polish it a bit and get some decent gear in your office and, and make it presentable. And I call that, you know, just a cocktail, like a screwdriver. You know, some people like a lot of juice and a little vodka and some people like a little bit of, you know, bigger splash of vodka in their screwdriver. And you got to figure out what that is. And the only way to do that is to make one and taste it. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, get on video, get those reps in, use a tool like, you know, sandbox.video or like you said, showing it to your friends and trusted colleagues and stuff like that, just to get the reps in, get the muscles starting to be built. That's mm -hmm. one version of just better done than perfect. And then also, you know, do a little searching or use something like one minute media. Um, we do monthly for one minute media, just so someone can come in, dive in deep for 30 days and then leave and not have to be stuck, you know, uh, doing anything they don't want to. It's because there's a different version for everyone, but you need to start kind of mixing those, those cocktails and seeing what your taste is. And then you can really, uh, you know, start getting some leverage afterwards because, it's kind of a portal, you know, you put out a video and give someone a little bit of a portal into who you are, what you do and into your soul a little bit. And there we go. We got that no like, and trust that we're all after and that relatability that humans can have with each other, even through video. Yeah. And that is, that is what's um, pulling us all together. You know, people that are willing to, to come on video and deliver the message and, you know, deliver their story and, um, you know, as a business owner and a CEO, we, we've been trained a lot to wear the poker face and yeah. to never show our feelings and emotions and wear them on our sleeve and let people know our weakness or let people know what we're going through when they're not in the business. And to know that it's okay now to say, Hey, your mess should be your message. Okay. Mm -hmm. That pain point that you were just trying to hide from everyone that you never wanted to talk about that was going to put an end to your business is really what people want to know about because they're going through it too. And, you know, keeping that all in and, you know, burying it deep inside and then not divulging that to people that can help, that can be a mentor, that can be a coach, can can like your friends, when you reached yeah. out and they delivered you 15 brand new clients or new projects or, you know, whatever, like, it's just, just being a little bit vulnerable and not making it like, oh, I'm weak. Look at me. I'm crying. Oh, you can see now I failed. I failed. You know, it's not about that anymore because anybody that knows anything about entrepreneurship is a series of very epic failures and yeah. then a, an, an amazing win and then another failure and another, and then a win and then, a win, you know, yeah. so it's kind of like, okay, well now it's okay to talk about this and to bring our message to the people through video and to do it well. So it's not like, but you can't really get that from people that are freshly bruised or, or pain because they haven't processed it. So it's kind of like vomiting their pain on other people when they bring a message to the, a mess to the public and they haven't really resolved it. So it takes a very trained person to say, okay, you know, this is your story. This is a great yeah. story. It's a powerful story. Now, you know, 
Um, but I'm seeing, seeing things in this story that may be unresolved and you may not want to say that on camera and you may not want to put that in your video, but yeah. to know that your mess can be your message. Now go work on those things and let's redevise. Do you go through like a series of exercises that help do that? Uh, we hit on this stuff a little bit. Um, I have to be completely honest with you. I haven't really worked with anyone over the last seven years, um, where I felt maybe now's not the right time. And that oh. generally just comes through, um, you know, my sales calls and really making sure it's a good fit and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I haven't dealt with that directly, but I do deal with a lot, a lot of self-judgment, uh, imposter syndrome, people hating the way they look or sound, mm -hmm. a lot of different things that come into play when you're starting to kind of share your message in a public format. And a lot of the things we do there is um, a little bit more psychological and a little bit less about tech and gear and how good does the video look. So a lot of conversations around um, brand, but really deep, you know, not just how do you want your brand perceived or who is your, you know, ideal client, but what gets you out of bed? What, what drives you to do this sort of work in this sort of industry? Um, you know, what, what did day one look like before you filed the paperwork and before you launched a company or before you took over your father's lumberyard or whatever the thing is, what were you feeling and what does that look like? And start to get to know the person. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of times, a lot of times, and it's, it's very rewarding, um, but we'll get to the end of something. And, you know, I've pulled story out of them. I've dusted off all the BS that we don't need. I've put it in a nice neat pile, put a spotlight on it. And they're like, wow, Dan, like, you're so good at what you do. This is incredible, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm, I'm pretty good at what I do, but this isn't me. I didn't create this. I pulled this out of you and it's always been in there. All I did was just help pull it out because like we all know in entrepreneurship, forest with the trees. When you're in it, you're in it. And even if you're super self-aware and have great people around you and you meditate and you, you do all the things to keep your mental health, you know, up, it's still difficult sometimes to get far enough away from the trees to see what the forest looks like. And I'm able to do that because I'm not in your business. I'm outside of it and I'm working with you as a person. And so I get to help do those things. Um, and I always say that when I've done my job, well, all I've done is take something awesome that you already do or the awesome person you already are. And I just package it and digitize it and, you know, get it in front of an audience. Um, I don't create anything. I just capture, you know, what's already there. And that work gets a little um, raw sometimes. You know, what happens privately between me and a, a client on a call sometimes does go in a way that's like, whew, that, I, I've never even really talked about that out loud. And again, like to your point, maybe that's not a video we make, but that feeling can inform some videos you do make. Mm -hmm. um, if you have a line that you don't want to cross as far as vulnerability or transparency, that's good to know. We push that line. Now we can back off a little bit to a place where you're comfortable and start there. Um, the whole anti-preneur thing is like anti-magic pills, anti-silver bullets. There's no blueprint. There's foundational business principles that matter, but what you build on it is yours. And how dare any entrepreneur tell you, if you do these 10 things that worked for me, you'll have the same exact thing I do. There's great teachers out there and there's great programs out there. And I'm not knocking that. I'm just knocking the like quick win, just do this and you'll be fine thing. 
because yeah, the positive thinking 101 just you know get your dream board and keep looking at it every day <laughs> yeah this stuff yeah amazon will just drop it off at your <laughs> at your door um yeah and you know there are those hard things you got to build there's those foundational principles that matter um but what you build on that foundation is yours and let's talk about that what is the reason that you're doing what you're doing and again you know like i said earlier what gets you out of bed and that just opens up stuff in people where they start realizing like wow dan this isn't just let's order in a camera and a mic and start talking. You're actually talking about building uh, a well, if you will, that I can come back and draw from over and over and over because I know my story now. And mm -hmm. the story is not always in 1918, we opened our doors for the first time, blah, blah, blah. The story oftentimes is who are you? Why are you doing what you're doing? What drives you? Yeah. And then you can build on top of it. And it's really rewarding work because most of the time we discover something in the work I do that that person or that team did not know was there before. And that's always just a, a fun time. Yeah. I love your methodology and your framework here because it is like coaching. You are coaching. Um, that is building a person's, um, you know, self-esteem around their story and their message. Cause a lot of people are so insecure about their pitch even, and they yeah. fumble and they stumble because that's really how they're feeling inside. Mm -hmm. They certain aren't certain about what their message is. So it's really crucial to have that pre-coaching consulting, you know, let's really dial into what the message is here. Yeah. Um, and, and coaching them into that. So, um, We've been going on and on. It's such a such great value of information you're giving us here. More on the personal, um, you know, really getting into what our audience wants to hear. They want to know from you, you know, if you rolled back 12, 15 years when you first started, or even maybe this the second, third launch of a, a new business that you had, what would you have wanted to tell yourself back then um, that you know now? You know, a big one and it errors on that side of mindset. Uh, we spoke previously about how the older I get and the more, um, I'll use the word success because it's not always money for me. It's, it's helping a client, it's building some new product. It's all the different things that could mean success to you as an entrepreneur. Um, you know, it, those things are great and having those wins is great. Um, I don't know, the, the whole experience as tough as it can be sometimes is great. And when I look back, I wish that I had someone there um, to just say, like, you know, take it easy on yourself, man. <laughs> you know, we're all the cliches. Uh, we're our own worst critics. Um, you know, imposter syndrome is easy to uh, let creep in. Um, and those things all have a place. I don't think we should, like, try to get rid of them like there's some bad thing that shouldn't exist. But because we're already our own worst critic and because we're already trying to, you know, beat ourselves up a little bit, like, give yourself a, a break every once in a while. And it's funny because it has nothing to do with the ones and zeros and the boxes you have to check or the standard operating procedure you have to implement in a business. But it's the thing I wish I knew from the beginning is like, you know, chill out a little bit, man. Um, yeah. don't, Love don't. yourself, right? Yeah. Just, man, yeah. just give that guy a hug. And I girls, I mean, <laughs> yep, yep. give your inner child a beautiful yeah. hug. And just love on them. I mean, me too. Like I was Nazi drill sergeant a-hole to myself, like all my years through college and my restauranteurism and all my restaurants and bars. I mean, it was cutthroat and I was pretty much killing myself yeah. and never giving myself any 
accolades or good job. You got 300 people paid today. None of that. It was always about tearing myself a new one, you know, and, and I was thriving on that. I was thinking that was driving me to be the fire burning deeper, you know, and that was a lie. I was lying to myself. And, you know, I love that. Be kind to yourself, put you first, take time for you, you know, and that, that is the antidote for everything. It, it really is. And you end up, um, you know, almost like a good medicine, you end up prospering in so many other areas when you make that a focus. Um, you know, it's very logical to think, how do I give my best work to my clients? Well, yeah. for me to be in a great place mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever is important to you. Uh, if you're in a good spot, you know, like they always say, I, I flew recently, you know, and they're like, oh, if the mask drops, put your own on first so you can help other people. If not, you'll probably pass out if there's a lack of oxygen. So like, take care of yourself and all kinds of great things happen afterwards, like being able to take care of other people. Yeah. And once you start dialing into you and your greatest needs and what makes you happy and what is joy to you and making it a priority to know you better and then nurture, oh my God, the, your life just magnetizes in a whole different way. It yeah. literally recalibrates everything in your business and in your personal life. So wise words from Dan Bennett, everyone. Be easy on yourself when you're starting out. And even if you're a 10-year or a 20-year veteran, we all need to hear that. Love you, love yourself, and you know, be easy on you. Um, yeah. So I, I really appreciate your time today, Dan. You're doing some amazing things. Everyone check out I am the antipreneur.com and also the one minute media um, along with everything else and we'll have in the description. So appreciate you being here again and uh, hopefully we can bring you back. Yeah, that'd be great. I've had a great time. I do have a, a quick tool if you're up yes. for offering it to yes. your audience. Um, on that website you have up, if you just put forward slash at the end of it and then story spine, like the spine in your back. Oh yes, story spine. Yeah. Then uh, there's just a free download there. And it takes Disney and Pixar story spine that they use. Um, you know, as like the very high level 30,000 foot view of story development. Oh, cool. Once, yeah. Once upon a time, uh, until one day something changed. And because of that, and because of that, until one day this happened and ever since. So if you look at Toy Story or any of the great Disney Pixar movies, um, they followed that formula. So I put this in here and I put my own story about being in a band and, you know, finding work uh, as a designer, as kind of a placeholder in the story spine guidebook there. Um, I love that. Yeah, it's just so people can look at the tools that are used for fictional storytelling and use them for nonfiction, you know, story development for themselves. So it's just a fun exercise. That is super cool. Everyone check it out. I'm the antipreneur.com uh, forward slash story spine. Get your free download guidebook and, and get with Dan. Um, he has a wealth of info and talent over there. So um, keep an eye out for his uh, podcast as well, along with um, his new launch. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yay. Well, awesome. You have an amazing day and we will hopefully meet again. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Great. Awesome. Thanks so much, Dan. Yeah. Bye-bye now. Are you ready to be the best that you can be? 
Join hybrid business coach and consultant Charity Brown and her guests as they give you behind the scenes access to the insider tips and tricks that will help you take your business to the next level. Charity has an extraordinary approach to boosting businesses to break out of their modes, influence their industries, and become leaders of their packs. And she's ready to pass this inspiring knowledge on to you today. Learn how to change your game and build your business into what you've always dreamed of, right here on the Create Clarity with Charity Podcast.